Welcome, everybody, to episode 26 of SB Unfurled and Friends. First episode since we won the regular season title, but unfortunately, it's a little less celebratory than we thought it would be. Lobon X here with SB Unfurled. Unfurled, how are you feeling after that Dayton game? Uh, not as bad as everyone seemed to be on my timeline. It seemed like it was the death knell of our entire season. It was doom and gloom. It was we have to go to the championship to even be considered for the field. I didn't think it was that bad. Um, just on you know name brand alone, it's not like you're losing to uh, LaSalle or Duquesne. Dayton still holds weight. It's, it is our first Q3 or Q4 loss, but um i i think we you know one win and i think we make up for it and and that is forgotten i kind of agree i don't think it's as cataclysmic as some people may think but i think we have a person who can give us some good perspective on all things bonaventure basketball who we've talked to before i would say he's a definitely a a very big friend of the sb unfurled and friends pod mike vaccaro of the new york post mike thanks for joining us again no it's good to be with you again Actually, we're doing, actually, talking about real basketball again. Uh, yeah. The, <laughs> no, the last time we had you on, we had the video claymation, games. Right? <laughs> Basically claymation. Our video game <laughs> system didn't really work out this, this year for other circumstances we won't get into right now. But hopefully we won't need it because we've already had the first two games of the A- A-10 tournament played. Thing. We got the real thing. Yeah, and, you know, I'm with you guys. Look, I mean, <clears throat> it's hilarious where the program has gotten to where you lose a game and the entire fan base goes into this funk, you know, like, <laughs> like we're the 72 dolphins. And every time you lose, it's some kind of, you know, it's, it's a, and it's a, it's a, it's a contracted year. So, I mean, every loss does hurt a little more, but you know, the, 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 the team has lost four games or 13 and four. That's about as good a season as you could ever ask for probably better than any of us really thought we were going to sign up for at the beginning of the year. Um, and, and, and look, I, in retrospect, a for one thing, the metrics. I don't think I, I, you know, unfurled. You, you know, you're, you're the master of this stuff. But I mean, it doesn't seem like the like, like the metrics really were altered that terribly by what happened on Monday. Uh, nor would they have been helpful that much by a win. But I also believe, and I, I actually believe this anyway. I mean, I, you know, whether we won or lost that game on Monday to me was irrelevant. I really think, you know, we need to win on Friday. I mean, now maybe you know this puts us a little farther along if we had won that game on Monday. But I still think that even if we had won that game on Monday and you lose the quarterfinal game, I think you're sitting right back where you were in 2016, you know, with, with, with your destiny out of your hand. And all of a sudden you're watching every game in, 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 in the sport, wondering how's that going to affect the bodies? How is this going to affect the bodies? And I do think that either way, I think winning on Friday, I think we'll all be able to exhale no matter what happens on Saturday. And that's until, of course, Dayton gets all the way to Dayton from the championship game. And then we have to sit there and wait and make sure Dayton doesn't take the automatic bid, which will obviously make things a little more interesting. But, We'll worry about that when it happens. You did uh, say that it would be out of our hands, but an interesting thing popped up um, in the last week or two saying that teams really, if they aren't playing in the championship, they might look at scheduling a game like a week from Wednesday, a week from Thursday, a week from where we are right now. What do you think about that? Like, should we go out and, and look for if we do happen to lose? We don't obviously want this to, to be in this situation to have to make this call. But um, if it is out of our hands, as far as the A-10, would you like us uh, making a call to, a, you know, an, another school and maybe playing a, a non-league game? I think it would depend on whether you lose on Saturday on, on Friday. I think if you I, I think if you win Friday and you're in the semifinals and then you lose the semifinal game, 
I think you just kind of have to let it roll because the only yeah. thing that can happen then is, is, is bad, I think, because I'm not sure who you're going to be able to schedule on that short of notice. And if you schedule up, you know, you're asking for trouble. And if you schedule down, you're asking for trouble. I, I get the idea if you lose on Friday. But I also think, you know, look, I mean, I, I think there's an argument can be made that in retrospect, and of course, it would have been respectful and you can make that argument if the game would have been canceled on Monday because of the death of Dr. DePero. But, you know, if you don't play that game, you're probably in a better spot now, frankly. I mean, mm-hmm. not much better. And I, as I said, I don't, I don't think it, it, it adversely affected you that loss. But, you know, if you look at it just from 30,000 feet, you know, if you don't. And the, the, the interesting thing about this year is that it seems like the less you play, the better off you are. I mean, look at what St. You know, Louis took a month off and, they, and, and, their, and their net rating went up. Um, they only started to get into, pro- into trouble when they started playing again, you know. Um, so I would have no problem if they, if they lose on Friday, if they look for a game. But I'd like to think that, that you know, the ideal is, to, is, is for that to be a moot point. Yeah, I would think so. And I think it would also be hard to convince anybody to play us in a neutral site or anything like that, especially if a team is on the bubble as well or if they also are off the bubble and have no real incentive to help out a team who could be on the bubble. Like why would a team that's in a situation like Davidson – why would they help you not Davidson specifically, but somebody with a similar net ranking and all the resumes in another conference, why would they help us out? They have no incentive. And why would we want to help them out either? I mean, there's no guarantee that we win the game. So, right. So it's, 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 you know, it's, it's so, I mean, but, but, but why not have this conversation, right? Because this whole year has been so unusual and been so, you know, crazy. I mean, you know, I, I every day I, I get a chuckle because every day, of course, we all read the daily net rankings and, and there's Colgate every day at number eight or number nine, or number 10. And it makes absolute, I don't care how much you want to explain to me how the net rankings work and why it makes, you know, sense from the logarithm standpoint, they played three teams all year. There's no way you can tell me that they should be the ninth best team in the country, but what, and good for Colgate, you know, we should actually be, you know, rooting for Colgate. They're a fellow upstate, uh, a fellow, you know, mid-major there, you know, it's, it's, it's the, we're supposed to kind of share similar blood, but it's just, it, it's just the, the absurdity of the NET and, and, uh, you know, especially, you know, if they, if they lose in their, in their semifinal round to Navy or whoever they play in that tournament, what, what is that going to mean? Does that mean they actually are going to be a six seed? Of course they're not. But I mean, that's the thing about the net. I don't know if you've had a chance to really, uh, or how much you've had a chance to take in the A-10 bracket uh, this year, the tournament bracket, but I'm just wondering, you know, what do you think about, cause I said, I think it's the toughest draw one seed has ever gotten. Um, but we do play the winner of Richmond and Duquesne. I don't know if you have any thoughts of who you would rather see or just our positioning in the bracket overall and how you thought it sh- uh, shook out. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to tell people how to root. Um, but to me, I mean, that's the kind of game you just let it happen, you know, mm-hmm. because you can make arguments for and against either team. So therefore I think you just, you know, take it on faith that you have the better team and, and uh, you'll be, you'll be going with the extra days rest, which will be helpful and just let it go from there. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think VCU, if, if we play uh, Richmond, it's going to be on VCU's home court, which I, I, I so, so, so you have that. And I will say that I suppose that maybe it might've been a little bit harder if you would have had, you know, VCU waiting for you in the semifinals, as opposed to St. Louis, even if St. Louis is the better team only because VCU is playing in Richmond, but wherever that game is going to be played, it's going to be in their home city. So maybe that would have been a little harder, but look, I mean, it's not supposed to be easy. I mean, one of the funny things about both 2012 when they actually made the full run and even two years ago when they made that incredible run, I mean, they got some help, you know, they got, right. they, they, didn't, they didn't have to play every high seeded team in front of them. I mean, you know, in, you know, in 12, UMass was nice enough to knock off Temple. 
you know, a couple of years ago. I'm, I'm not sure who it was that Rody beat, but they but Rody beat somebody. And then of course the, you know, we wound up wearing white. It was actually VCU. Right. Marcus so Evans got hurt in that game and Rody ended right. up winning. That's right. And so we wound up you know, actually wearing white in, in the finals as a result, which is, which, <laughs> which, which, which is bizarre. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of times these things, you, know, you rarely are going to wind up knocking off, you know, this, you know, of course there are no seeds ahead of us this, this time around, but, but uh, you, you know, it's unusual that you're going to wind up, we're knocking off only high seeds. Someone's going to probably help you out in a tournament like this. And so, you know, you just hope that the, that the team that's giving, providing help isn't, uh, isn't Duquesne or Richmond for somebody else. <laughs> that's true. I, I think Unfurled and I have talked about a little bit before with Duquesne versus Richmond and how Duquesne seems to be a little bit of a tougher matchup just on the court, but Richmond has more talent. So Unfurled, I don't know if you wanted to kind of get into it with the three of us just about how the different matchups play out because I look at how we guard Grant Golden and how doubling him in the paint has tended to really take him almost completely out of the game. And he basically has like one hand because he has got Mm -hmm. this huge cast on his hand. So it may be even worse, or he may not even, you know, play more than like a few minutes and they may put in like Matt Grace or somebody else in that, uh, that vein. But Duquesne, I think is less talented, but I think they're a tougher matchup with Marcus Weathers and some of their other bigs. Yeah. I I think Duquesne is, you know, especially right now, Richmond, you watch that game against St. Joe's and they, they are really banged up. Like you said, Golden's hand is all messed up. Blake Francis, their leading scorer has a back issue or a hit pointer. He's probably going to try to give it to uh, give it a go, but he's not anywhere near a hundred percent. I don't think so. This isn't even the Richmond team, you know, right now that we beat when we went down there, they are, if we were to lose to them, it would be a lower risk than losing to Duquesne. If you're talking about Friday has to be a must win, but um, I agree with Vac. I think this is the game, you know, no matter which way you look at it, something is going to be good and something is going to be bad with it. I think you just have to let it play out. Um, we are three and zero against both of these teams during the season. We, I think, you know, we may have been getting fans included a little bit cocky after the GW game. And maybe Dayton what? was a, a little bit of a, you know, a reality check. And, a, a, you know, you saw Attaway after the game getting up shots. Maybe it was a little bit of a humbling that we needed before the A-10 tournament um, because it was a, a great weekend for us crushing GW and then winning the A-10 championship. And, you know, it, I, I don't know. Maybe we might look back in a couple weeks and say that Dayton loss was the best thing that could have happened to us. I think you're just saying that because I can't, we had to cancel our little celebration that we had planned here <laughs> because of that Dayton loss. But, but of, sorry, Vac, go ahead. You know, I was going to say, a friend of mine asked me on the weekend, you know, if, uh, if, 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 if you're going to lose one of these next two games, which one would you rather lose? Would you rather lose Monday against Dayton or, the, you know, or, or Friday against whoever? And I said, well, I, I don't want to answer the question because it's a dumb question. But if I have to answer the question – of course, you're going to want to lose Monday. Uh, right. I didn't want to lose Monday, but if the choice is one or the other, um, I, I, th- I think it's less damaging to have lost on Monday than to lose than to lose on Friday. I mean, look, if, if we lose Friday, even if we lose Saturday, it's going to be a long week. I mean, I think we'll all feel pretty confident that we should that the right thing should happen. But we also just know that you know you just have to kind of you know until you see the name on the line. Um, if we lose Friday, it's going to be an extra long week. It just is. I mean, mm-hmm. and because I mean, you can just see how the week's going to go. Every day is going to be a toggle between last four in and last four out, and and, and you know everybody's going to everybody's going to want to yell at Joe Lenardi like you know he's like you know, <laughs> or, or any of these guys like like, like it's their fault. Um, yeah, but uh, look, I, 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 we saw both examples the last two times that we were in play, 
In 16, we made things very hard for ourselves by losing to Davis in the quarterfinal game. And in 18, we made it we made it hard on ourselves by not putting away Richmond when we could have in, in that quarterfinal game. We won that game. And obviously, you know, we felt like we were playing with house money on Saturday, and we actually were, uh, barely. Um, so you have basically, I think, those two similar scenarios. And uh, look, if, 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 if you lose on Saturday, I think you have to just root and hope that VCU wins because if it's, if it's a VCU championship and us as a semifinalist, I think, you know, we won't even have to, have to worry too much about the fluctuations of what happens in the other tournaments this week. Dear Tooch, I wrote you, but you still ain't calling. I left my name and my number at the bottom. I sent some messages back in autumn. You must have never got them. I want to ask you about the offense because that was a huge issue against Dayton, especially because we put up 88 points and we went from 88 to 52, which is a very drastic drop off. I know Dayton's better than GW, but throughout the season, there have been stretches where you can go in between media timeouts and we don't score a single point or the Bonnies only score two points or however the long stretch goes. What do you make of the offense because of how they've been shooting pretty well from three, but also have been having trouble kind of closer to the rim? I don't want to make it simplistic, but it really does seem that uh, the bellwether for the offense is, is Holmes. I mean, obviously he didn't play hardly all against Rhode Island. We lost that game. Uh, he, he played okay against St. Louis, didn't play very well in, against VCU. And of course he was, he was a goose egg on Monday. And, you know, while I know I, you know, I've read elsewhere people wondering what was wrong with him. I mean, don't forget, he was the guy who presented the flowers in front of the cardboard cutout of Dr. DePero. I mean, it's my understanding anyway that he, he actually had a pretty close relationship with Dr. DePero. So every, every now and again, you got to remember these are college kids. And, you know, if, if, if my closest mentor in college had passed away, I'd have, I'd, I'd have had a hard time putting out the newspaper that night, let alone playing a basketball game. Uh, so I, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm sure he would never use that as an excuse, but I mean, I certainly think that that had to have been, at least been playing probably in all of their minds, but as close as the president was to the program and to these players. Um, you know, I, 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 I was fortunate enough last year, guys, before the anniversary weekend, uh, I was invited to the dinner that, 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 that last year's team had with the seven, with, with the final four team. And Dr. DePero, DePero was there. And of course he, you know, he's, Dr. DePero. I mean, every, everybody in the room is drawn to him. And it was remarkable just how close um, a lot of those kids looked uh, to be to him. You know, from the, the, the familiarity, it wasn't just being respectful to the president of the university. It was, you know, a familiar face that they all seemed to, to really be drawn to, uh, specifically Oshun that night, specifically Lofton, and specifically uh, uh, Holmes. So, you know, I know the NCAA isn't going to look over the, the selection committee isn't going to look into the circumstances of that Monday game, but look, I mean, I don't, I mean, it, it, it's, it's hard to say this tactfully, but I mean, on a normal day, I don't think we would have lost that game, frankly. And I do think that that played a significant impact in the, in, in the, you know, you know, Mark Schmidt talked about how sluggish they were and, you know, they look sluggish. Why were you sluggish? Well, I think they have, there was a good reason to be, I know this is kind of wandering far afield from the original question, but I think it, it goes back to, to Holmes. And I think Holmes is really the key to the offense because when he's playing with confidence and he's not just only making his own shots, but he's, but, he, but, he, but he's opening things up. And, you know, th th those are the games you tend to see Oshun with, you know, one alley-oop after another. And the way that, you know, I, I, what's, what's encouraging is that when he's playing that way, you know, Attaway's going to have a bunch of open shots and he now seems willing to take them. And so I think so much of what happens when the offense looks good happens because Holmes is having a good night. 
there was a conversation started on Twitter, uh, I think last week, by Courtney Stockard, who said <laughs> the 2018 team would beat this current team by 20. I wonder how wh- how you think this team compares to the other teams of this century, whether it's 2000 with you know Wynn and Cyrus, or 2012 with Nicholson, and then 2018 and and even 2016. How how do you like this team compared to them? How do you think they? Uh, they match up. I think the 18 team is probably better, but not by 20 points. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that would be, I, I, I'd pay to watch that game. I mean, I'd love to watch, I'd love to watch, you know, Jalen Adams and Kenny Lofton go at it one-on-one. I mean, I think uh, Jalen's probably the, the, the more accomplished scorer because he, you know, he, he had a more consistent uh, jump shot than, than certainly than, 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 than Lofton has had this year. But uh, you know what, you know, the, the, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure that anybody on that team, uh, would be able to stop Oshun. You know, it was kind of a it was, it was kind of a donut team, right? There was really, you know, God bless Ladarian Griffin, who was who was who was who was who was tremendous. I mean, you know, maybe one of the all-time most popular bodies and with reason, but uh, and he played great in big moments. But he was six six going up against uh, you know Oshun. That, that that's a huge difference maker. So I think, you know, the things it would be, be a fascinating matchup because of that. I do think that 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 this team is a close second. I mean. You know, 16, I think we tend to glorify a little more because we're so angry at the way it ended. But, you know, when you look back and you realize, you know, some of the teams that team lost to were kind of puzzling. I mean, not, not very good Sienna team, a, a, a you know, middling Hofstra team. Obviously, the LaSalle game was, was devastating. Uh, I mean, Davidson had no business beating, beating them in the, in, in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. You know, they got on – what I think with the 16 team, they got into a role and they were playing with such incredible confidence – and you had a guy in Dion Wright who was having, you know, we, we, we tend to forget just how important he was to that team. And, of course, Posley would just get on these runs where, you know, you, you could have beaten anybody. I mean, you know, the game he played against St. Joseph's in Rochester that year, I mean, they would have, you know, they were a sweet 16 team if they played that way against anybody else in the field. So, uh, but, they were, they, they, but they were also capable of playing the way they played against Wagner in the, in the NITs. So, mm-hmm. um I do think it's interesting that the 2000 team gets lost a little bit. Uh, that was a fun team. That was a, you know, obviously a, you know, a team relying on his two big, se- you know, three big seniors really when you include Capers who made those three free throws. It, it, it's a different style of play because Barron's style was a lot different than Schmidt's. Um, you know, the real, the real interesting wild card, I guess, is the 2012 team. We forget. I actually watched a tape of that game against Xavier a couple of not long ago and you forget, you know, we, we all joke about how Schmidt plays five and a half players every game, you know, and how, you know, his team is like the Iron Man five. I mean, that team went nine, 10 players deep and they were missing two guys. I mean, they yeah. were missing Marquis Simmons right. and, uh, and Michael Davenport. I mean, in theory, that was a 12 deep team and they played 10 guys in that A-10 championship game and they all got, you know, serious minutes, which is kind of interesting to watch, especially when you had, you know, when obviously there was one player that, you know, much like uh, with Lofton that almost never came off the floor in Nicholson. So, I mean, if I were to rate those great teams, I would probably go with 18 first, this team second, probably 12 third, 16 fourth, and then 2005th, which is not meant to take any kind of swipe at 2000. It's just that I just think the teams that have come after have been a little more talented. I think that was interesting what you brought up about the benches. Um, just to get back to the 2021 team and kind of previewing everybody for the upcoming tournament. We were, we've kind of talked about it back and forth where we wanted to see some of those Ironman 5 box scores and see how they compare to the 21 team. Do you think Schmidt might be doing this kind of intentionally, not necessarily because he doesn't trust some of the players, but because this season is such an odd schedule where 
You don't have too many games that are close together. Even the A10 tournament, if we were to make it to the finals, you only play two games in two days as opposed to three games in three days or four games in four days. Do you think this is kind of because of how odd this season is? I think it's a lot of things. I think I, I think I think naturally as a coach, Schmidt's circle of trust is small. <laughs> sorry, guys, this is gonna. Uh, I, I can cut that. I can yeah, it's good. That. We we added this after, so it's not a big well, deal. They'll, 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 be, they'll be quiet in a second. Stop. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> they, they've lost interest. Now it's over. Um, I think I, I think there's a. Perfect, oh, for God's sakes, Fiona, shut up! I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. There's a perfect storm. Of, I'm, I'm talking here. Come here. Come here. All right. Let's put that on. Sorry. Um, I, I think there's a perfect storm answer to that, guys. I mean, you know, I, I think that naturally speaking, as a coach, Schmidt's circle of trust is pretty is smaller than some. Um, I, I think circumstances dictate it. I mean, you know, as we discovered the other day, I think a lot of us for the first time, this team only has nine guys dress every day. Um, so you, you really don't have that many options. You have seven guys, eight if you include Creel, Creel who play it all, and you know he only plays you know here and there. It is a reminder just how how tough it was to have those three transfers during the course of the year. I mean, look, I, I, I get it. It's a different game now. Kids have zero patience. You don't. There are no Dion Wrights anymore. There are no Ladarian Griffins. I mean, go back and look at Ladarian Griffin's sophomore year. And how little he played, and it was never questioned he was going to transfer because he saw himself getting better. Um, you know, you would love if, if, if Winston would have had the same kind of attitude as a uh, as a Griffin or a Wright. But then, you know, you have to remember that he wasn't anywhere close to those guys. I mean, he was a pretty highly regarded recruit coming in, so those two guys had Bonaventure and a lot of nothing. So, I mean, really, their only option was to, to live it out here and try and get better, and they did. Um, but you know, just from a, from a number standpoint, I mean. You know, the other day, it just well, certainly on Friday, it would have been nice to be able to have other people to, you know, so 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 homes in to play, you know, thirty nine minutes in a in a forty nine point game. But again, in, 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 in it's it is a reminder. Look, I mean, you can play great, and what happens if you know if you get a sloppy referee's whistle, and all of a sudden, you know, as, as what happened a couple of games ago with Oshun, where he winds up getting two quick fouls, and then, you know, we've had games uh, during the course of the year where Lofton's had a little, you know, had had some problems and. Lofton is, is good every other game for a technical. It's going to add to his personal foul total. So, and it's not a team that can afford that. And then you add into the fact that every time a guy goes up, you know, to grab a rebound, you hold your breath because you don't want him to come down and sprain his ankle. Um, because that's, <laughs> you guys are killing me. <laughs> I almost want to include this somehow, but now I won't. <laughs> I mean, feel free to because. Is that a really little dog? It sounds like a little. It's, it's, it's a tiny. It's a tiny West Highland Terrier. <laughs> it sounds like the entire crowd. Enough! <laughs> Don't want to hear from me anymore. I'm the star here. If if you could compare your little terrier to any Bonnie of all time, which Bonnie would you compare Shandu. it to? Shandu. Perfect. You know, she, she is Shandu. She'll she'll steal the ball from me. No, there's no question about that. She steals the ball from the other one every time and he gets pissed every time so. <laughs> i want to ask you um before we let you go a a big picture question because you uh, you have a, a great knowledge of the history of bonas and the program and everything um just from a you know an exposure standpoint a ncaa unit standpoint recruiting 
and you know all the memories and happiness and everything that goes along with it what could a i don't know say uh, a sweet 16 run mean whether it's this year or even next year if everyone returns what could a run like that mean to this program and the university and just the the community and everything in general you know i think it would be an appropriate capper to this year of prosperity however long it lasts you know i mean I do think that Schmidt has, has, has brought this program to a, to a place where it's no longer certainly a graveyard job like when he got it. So I do think that whenever he decides to step down, the, uh, the, the, the pool of candidates uh, to take the job is going to be a pretty interesting one. I think people will actually look at the job as, as a favorable one. So I don't think we necessarily have to think that the, 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 this, this era is going to end the moment he walks out the door. However, I mean, certainly he's been the engineer for this, for, for this great, you know, spasm of prosperity the last 10 years. And I, I think the one thing it could use, like, I mean, it, it helps that uh, in 2018, there was an NCAA tournament victory. It actually made uh, going to the first four worth it, I think, because, you know, you not only won a game in the tournament for the first time since 1970, who you beat was important. I think there was a lot of buzz that came off that game. Uh, but it would, you know, it, what it would do is it would, it would provide this era's almost signature team in the sense of accomplishment nationally. And look, I mean, you, you go back through the years. I mean, you know, in the Eddie Donovan years in the fifties and early sixties, I mean, there were two or three teams that made it to the NIT final four, which is a very big deal in the time. And that really is what kind of established the program. Uh, obviously the Lanier group, uh, they won a game their first time around. Um, God, they, 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 they had to waste a year because of probation the second time, but then the third year, they go to the final four and that's, you know, it's not just what they did during the year that people remember, but it's what they did in the tournament that people remember. Uh, the great, the, the, the great era of Jimmy Satlin in the seventies with a lot of really interesting, good teams, you know, has that 77 team around which to, to kind of, you know, you know, carry the, the weight in, in, in that particular parade. So, I mean, you have that team and look, even though the 2000 team didn't win a game in the tournament, they had that extraordinary game against Kentucky and that came at a point when I think even more so than what we've had lately, I think people were really wondering if Bonaventure could ever compete at the Division One level again. And that team proved that it was possible. You know, forgetting what came a couple of years later, uh, which was a self-inflicted wound. I mean, I think before 2000, there was some real question as to whether or not, you know, this, this program could be competitive, you know, as, as a legit mid-major. And I think most people would have, would have argued against it. And that team proved otherwise. So that's really been, that team was really a template. So even though they didn't have a postseason win, and although they did have a postseason win, if you go back a few years, different group of players, same coach that won an NIT game. So, you know, this team, if they ever got to the Sweet 16, these players, it would really be something that I think that people would talk about for years. I think there's an understanding that as good as this team is, I mean, you know, you're not talking about a team that even with a couple of breaks, I get it, Loyola Chicago went to the Final Four a couple of years ago. And you never know how a, how a bracket's going to break. But, I mean, you know, you look at this team, and you know, it, it doesn't necessarily belong with the Baylors of the world or the Gonzagas of the world. But I don't think it needs to. I don't think it needs to, to be in, in order to, you know, really be a satisfying permanent place in Bonaventure record books and Bonaventure hearts if they, just, if they won two games and got to the Sweet 16. That would just be everything. And I can't even imagine what this uh, – I can't even imagine what this podcast would be like if uh, – if you were doing it like two games before the Sweet 16 against, you know, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we win the A-10 title, you'll have to see what we have planned because hopefully we can bust that back out. Or maybe if we even just get an at-large bid. But 
Mike Vaccaro from the New York Post. Thank you so much once again for coming back. You're always welcome on whenever you want to hop on and just, you know, just riff about Bonnie's basketball. I'm sure that's really hard for you to want to do. I'm sure you never want to do that, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, I mean, I was, I was kind of hoping we could stay here all night, guys, because I could actually talk to you guys all night. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take I'll take I'll take this uh, this half hour is a lot of fun and uh, enjoy this run. I certainly hope that they give you guys stuff to talk about for another couple of weeks. Yeah, hopefully another couple of years at this rate. Yeah, but, cool. Cool. but Mike, thank you so much for joining us. All right, guys, take care. Saint Bonaventure isn't an alien. Saint Bonaventure isn't an alien. Vac is such a nice guy. He's always really helpful when it comes to this kind of thing. A very friendly guy. And anytime you really want to shoot the shit with him on the Bonnies, he he does not need an excuse. We saw him on yeah. the Zoom. He was kick. He was like kick back and relaxed. Oh, he was in his glory. I love it. Yeah, have you back on back. <laughs> Yeah, we got to have him back on. Um, always down to come on, even on short notice, and talk about the Bonnies. Uh, and you know, we have a lot to talk about right now. So I'm sure you know we are all we are all pumped to just sit down and and talk about this season and this team. And yeah. you know, he has such a good grasp on the history of the school and the the program in general that it's always good to come compare and contrast past teams with him as well. We should get in a little bit more into the actual matchups because we kind of just briefly touched on it and. Richmond or Duquesne, I'm kind of leaning one way on this. What are you kind of leaning towards on what, who you want to see? Of course, this podcast will be dropping Thursday morning, and if you don't listen to it before mm-hmm. 1 p.m., you already know the answer to this question, but go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I'm leaning, honestly, a little bit more toward Richmond right now. I think both are good matchups for us, and that's even mm-hmm. if Richmond is at full strength. We played them pretty well down there. We played them well last year when I thought they were one of the best teams in the league. Right now, they're pretty banged up. They're not the top team in the conference that I, I think they were You know, the first month or, or so. Grant Golden, as we said earlier, has a, a major hand issue. Uh, Blake Francis is really banged up. So if they go up against a physical Duquesne team, playing again in 24 hours is going to be tough for them, I think. And we really can use this week of rest. Um, I don't necessarily think Duquesne is you know, a bad matchup for us at all. But if you're giving me a pick out of those two, maybe I do take Richmond and the tiebreaker is that if we did happen to have another stinker like Monday, that's still not a bad loss. Um, and you never want to, you know, back into a tournament like that, but the bubble is soft as shit this year. So I, I think it limits risk while also giving us a chance at a good win against a team that's, you know, right now not playing all that great. I think another part of it is, yes, Richmond has a lot of injuries, but I thought even before their injury problems that I would like to play them again. I was dying for them to come back to the Riley Center, but that didn't happen because of all the, the basically the canceled last week of the season. If you look at some of the stats, we are dead last in the country in bench minutes, as we've talked about extensively. But you know who's also around the top five? Richmond. Yeah, Richmond yeah. does not use their bench at all. Nope. And that may have to change for them just because of their injury issues. Kind of points back to why I kind of want to see a little more of our bench use sometimes in case we do have those injury issues. Hopefully not. But Duquesne goes deep. I forgot exactly how far Duquesne goes into their bench, but they they are pretty similar to VCU where they have at least eight to ten guys that are playing almost every game. And those eight to 10 guys, a lot of them are physical that can definitely cause some issues for Attaway and even Oshun, as we saw in the second matchup. 
Yeah, I, I mean, if Duquesne did advance, you know, I, they are deep. But hey, let let Dan Brat get cute with his little twelve man rotation, and it, it <laughs> Napoleon could get Dan Brat apart. Yeah, <laughs> let him try to get cute with a twelve man rotation, and we could torch them as well. So you're right, Richmond doesn't go deep at, at all, um, and the guys off the bench. Give give me Matt Grace against Oshun. Give me Matt Grace. <laughs> you know, and Solomon Curacy is I think he's uh you know six nine, pretty athletic, but uh, nice though. Those guys, uh yeah. And you said I will add, we are last in the league in the nation, excuse me, in bench minutes. I went all the way back to um when the stat began getting uh tallied in two thousand seven. We're dead last in the in the last 14 years and it's by a lot it's by a lot going like our our bench got a lot of minutes against gw because we were up 47 going into that game our bench minutes were at 11 percent. the next lowest in the last 14 years i think it was was like 14 or 15 percent we were like not it wasn't even close um and that's like three thousand or so different different seasons <laughs> if you're multiplying you know 14 whatever it is but um so that is a little bit of perspective and it probably goes all the way back maybe even to 1968 right back full circle to the bonnies so yeah that's a, that's a little a, a little tidbit that i wanted to throw in there that's 2007 at least if not later I it, mean, probably a lot it's, longer yeah. it's kind of funny just to hear that because it's not it's it doesn't seem we're so used to it but it's really kind of crazy just how much we have not been using our bench but it will again it's hard to project a game when there's two possible opponents duquesne is coming off a pretty impressive performance beating rhode island by 11 at Mm -hmm. the new the new arena hey they finally got their new arena open Mm -hmm. after that they've kind of put up a couple stinkers they lost to richmond a few weeks ago and they lost to LaSalle before they lost to LaSalle by 20 on the road which mm-hmm. I know they were coming yeah. off their own little pause too. Don't get me wrong, but after losing by twenty to LaSalle on the road, after losing to Richmond, that's oof, that's rough. And so Duquesne, we just it goes back to everything we've always said. We don't know if Duquesne is for real or not, and we may not <laughs> even play Duquesne. Who knows? And I think Richmond's issues lately beyond beyond injuries has been just a lack of bench contributions even before those injuries because it doesn't seem like many other players have stepped up beyond their actually really their starting five other than I mean Nathan Ko is still averaging 10 points per game or a little bit over that and Tyler Burton's had a great season we all know how good the other big three are what do you if we played Richmond again what would you want to see that we didn't see in the early season matchup I don't think Oshun was was great in that game against Richmond um, at least offensively, you know, he, him and golden have had a few matchups where he's kind of just, at least defensively, he's dominated golden and he's done really, really well offensively. I don't think he was, he was that great. And at that point you have to remember that was, you know, pre three at you know, pre three point at He only had seven points in that game. He wasn't really used much offensively. So that's just another piece that we have against Richmond that we, you know, Attaway was, he was consistent and he was very good defensively and he did all the little things right, but he is becoming a little bit more confident in his shot, I think. And, um, you know, he's been our leading scorer for several games, co-A-10 player of the week, that one week averaging over 20. I think he had 17 against 
Dayton. So, um, you know, he's just improved offensively, I think. Uh, and that that could be the difference if, if you're talking about that game versus this game. The one thing I will say about Attaway, we've all been we've both been huge Attaway fans. I, I don't want him to get away from what really helped him out throughout most of the season, which was right. still cutting to the basket, getting some of those, I don't want to say garbage points, but those other like offensive rebound points. And mm-hmm. yes, his three-point game is starting to develop a little bit, but I think towards the end of that Dayton game is where we really saw things bogged down a little bit and almost seemed like we actually ran plays for him, which I don't know why we would be running plays for him for three when we have Holmes and Welch who are much better at three, even, even Lofton is Attaway is awesome. I think Attaway is underrated in this conference. Even when you hear from other non Bonaventure people, I think they still underrate Attaway because a lot of his points are kind of mid range, maybe inefficient sometimes in terms of, you know, how we look at analytics with, with threes and dunks, but, I don't want him to get away from what's what's been really good. I still want him to develop that three point shot, but that I worry with the Dayton game. Maybe it's because everybody was tired. Maybe as Vax said, and everybody's a little down and out and sluggish from Doctor DePero's passing. It, I just don't want them to allow that to be the focus of his game is to also be a three point shooter. Just I, I want him to stretch the floor a little bit, but not too much. Yeah, and he's great at getting into the middle of those zones. And you saw even recently, sometimes against Davidson, when they went zone, we just went right to the middle of that way. He flashed into the foul line area, and he was able to create. And defensively as well, I mean, he'll be a big, he'll be a big part of our defense because he's going up against a guy probably that I worry most about for Richmond, Tyler Burton, who you mentioned. He didn't play very well against us when we played him down there. And he is certainly capable uh, at six, seven, I think six, eight stretching the floor and shooting three. So that'll be Attaway's matchup. So even if we don't get a ton from Attaway offensively, uh, you know, he's going to be a huge piece for us defensively. And if, if we do happen to play Richmond or if we play Duquesne, you know, just as much with Marcus Weathers. Um, right. And, you know, Marcus Weathers is a really, really good player. And I thought last year, Winston and Planunas, they did okay against him, but they weren't the de- the defensive presence that Attaway was. And Oshun also against Duquesne has been so good at rotating over. If, if Marcus Weathers beats one of our defenders, Oshun is always there rotating over to block uh, Weathers' shot. And it happened last year and it happened again this year. And those are just huge matchups that we need Attaway for. If you remember back to that Duquesne game at, oh God, not even at Duquesne, it was at Lemoyne. <laughs> no, Lemoyne. I, La La I almost said De La Roche. Yeah, La Roche. I almost said De La Roche. I was saying after the game, I'd rather play in De La Roche than yeah. at La Roche University. <laughs> but if you remember back to that game, Attaway, that's as far as I know, that's the only game he hasn't started in because there was a little bit of a non-COVID illness concern around mm-hmm. him. But then he ended up still playing 36 minutes. And while he was sluggish in terms of scoring in the first half of that game, he had a couple big plays towards the very end that kind of sealed the deal. So you have to yeah. wonder if it was almost like the Rhode Island game where Holmes played like 30 seconds and had to come out and didn't play again. Right. If we had full strength Attaway in that game, maybe that game is not like we destroy them like we did the GW, but maybe we win by 10 to 12 points against Duquesne. So that could yeah. also be something to consider if we do see Duquesne again, but let's move on to Saturday because I heard you, PD Buckets. I heard you, Chris Pyle, on the Hey 10 podcast. You guys were talking up Duquesne beating us. 
And I don't even know if they're really? going to listen to this. They're probably not going to. Yeah, I thought I told you. I was listening to it. And I'm like, oh, wow, you guys finally get to the number one seat at the hour mark of your podcast. And oh, wait, oh, we're, we're talking about like how Duquesne's going to beat the Bonnies and this and that. Hmm. So you know what? No, get out of here. A lot of teams, a lot of people like saying that they're going to be. No, no, we're, we, we're going to Saturday. Let's go on Saturday. Confidence, everybody. <laughs> Confidence. No, I'm saying, no, the brakes. Guys, why are the brakes working? Because I cut the brakes. Wild car, bitches. Yeah. Three possibilities. St. Louis, that's the most likely one, if we're going to be honest. You also have UMass, who we haven't seen yet this year, interestingly enough. And the team that right now, after the pillow fight, the team that's the, the Cinderella story right now, the St. Joe's Hawks, the greatest team in NCAA history at five and 14, as far as I'm concerned. Where do you want to begin? Let's begin with St. Joe's. This was fun. Let's talk about St. Joe's. Did you watch any of the game this morning? Uh, no, I didn't. Ah, oh, because I did. <laughs> that was a fun game. I, I watched St. Joe's against Richmond, though. Okay. Well, it was more or less the same thing. So. Uh-huh. I, I think I think what we saw out of St. Joe's on Wednesday was Ryan Daly, really. I mean, that's the story. He was 7 for yeah. 15, 23 points, controlling the offense. He was stretching the floor for St. Joe's as well. Cameron Brown knocked down a couple big shots. Jordan Hall got to the line a ton, 10 for 11. He's been very consistent as a freshman for, for St. Joe's. We don't need to get touch on them too much because we've really manhandled St. Joe's in the past. Yeah, but for a I while, guess I guess weird because we never used to. Right? Yeah, but we've won like I forgot what we said the Lenardi. It was like eight of nine straight or yeah, something, something ridiculous, like and then we won this year. So right. add one more to that column. But what if if we got to the point where St. Joe's is coming on their third game in three days or fourth game in four days? They would actually need that to get to the semifinals. What would you What would you think about St. Joe's? I, I would love them. They would be my favorite team <laughs> in the Atlantic 10 other than the Bonnies if probably maybe ever if they were to <laughs> if they were to go on a three game win streak and then face us as the 13 seed or whatever on Saturday they I I mean I couldn't I would invite Harold Hawk over to my house we yes. would be I don't even yeah I mean if <laughs> We just need to up, also I, say by the way that no pillow fighter team no quote unquote first round team has ever made it to Friday, has ever made it to the quarterfinals. So they've always been, they've won a game and then they've lost their second. Yeah. So huh. it's since this iteration in 2014. So St. Joe's would not only have to make history once, but I guess twice. <laughs> However, UMass is maybe, you know, I don't know how much they deserve to even be a five seed. So how many of them have played a team like UMass as well? Yeah. It's a weird year. The bracket's really weird. So anything can happen. Um, if they do end up beating UMass, you know, probably say sayonara when they play st louis but i don't know if we should waste much time talking about st joe's but to, to, you know they're the talk of the town right now in the atlantic 10 <laughs> if if we were all in richmond together every single bar would be buzzing about ryan daly and his performance and maybe ryan daly would be there because some people like making yeah, the jokes not? about that but ryan daly put, has been putting up great performances because they were they've won four straight with him so I mean, other than hot, other yeah. than, do you think do you think Ryan Daly would somehow have a performance that we haven't seen against them in the three games that we've played him against in the last two years? I don't think he 
did he play against? I don't That's think he right. played he against us. That's right. He didn't play us. the season. He didn't last play against year, us this season. Yeah, he didn't play against us this year. Last year when we played him, he like he was dealing with a bunch of different injuries, like a thumb and a leg or something. I don't know uh, <laughs> what the hell he was doing. But, um, yeah, we, I don't think we've really seen him at full strength. And, uh, you know, after a f- Wednesday, Thursday, Friday action, we get Ryan Daly on four games in four days, you know, bring him on i mean i don't know what you want me to say (laughs) i know i just anyone playing us four games in four days you know just you know i don't yeah that would be our second game in two days and people would be talking about oh the bench for the bonnies where are they gonna be it's like well four games in four days i don't know but we'll move on from the best five and 14 team in nca history to the (laughs) team that we haven't played so far barely squeaking into nca tournament eligibility at seven and six with 13 games there umass we did not see UMass, one of the few teams we did not see because our game got canceled when they went on pause. Have you watched much of UMass? What do you think of UMass's talent that's developed around Trey Mitchell? Because I know usually when we look at these UMass Bonaventure games, we're looking at the Trey Mitchell versus Oshun matchup. I thought Trey Mitchell transferred. Oh, yeah, that's right. Breaking news. <laughs> no, there was a Trey Mitchell that did transfer on Wednesday, but he transferred from Central Connecticut State. He's a freshman oh. guard, so he's not the Trey Mitchell that we all know. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, yes, I have seen UMass Amherst a couple times this year. I saw them, I think, lose to Mason. I saw them beat Rhode Island a couple times. Their fans will probably tell you they're capable of winning this tournament. I don't necessarily see it. Um, maybe next year if they get hot and get the right pieces around Mitchell and some of their guys improve, but they are reliant on quite a few freshmen, I feel like, and we are one of the more experienced teams and one of the more cohesive teams. So Mitchell is, is extremely, extremely good down low offensively, a little bit heavy footed. And I think, you know, that's why Oshun probably is a decent matchup as far as far as how how good he is. He is still a little bit, a little bit heavy footed and ocean is so light footed and so athletic and his, his reach and his athleticism makes him the best defensive player in the country. So Mitchell thrives against teams who don't have that good defensive big. We have the best defensive big in the entire league. So we can kind of cancel out their best player. And then what's around him isn't nearly as good as what is around Oshun. So I think they're a really, really good matchup for us. I think first off, Trey Mitchell has been playing a little less in the past few weeks because of, I'm not quite sure what the issues are with with injury or COVID or I don't, I'm not quite sure. So I just know he has been playing limited minutes in the past few weeks. He, yeah, he hurt his shoulder pretty bad. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I forgot what exactly was, was up with him, yeah. but I think the Bonnies actually match up pretty well one through mm-hmm. five with UMass because UMass does not have the same kind of size you'll see from Duquesne or St. Louis or even even George Mason. I see somebody like Ronnie DeGray, who's been solid, but he's about the same size as Jalen Attaway. I would rather have Jalen Attaway. You can go down the list here. Noah Fernandes and Javon Garcia have been a good tandem for their point guard and shooting guard positions. I I, I don't think they're, again, better than ours. I, I, I hate just doing a comparison by comparison because Noah Fernandes has been pretty good from three, I, I don't I don't see where exactly they would take over other than Trey Mitchell having a tremendous game and getting Oshun also into foul trouble. I think that would be the key for UMass to win. 
other than that, I, I would like our chances against them in their third game in three days. And we just talked about how well we have played recently against St. Joe's. We've won 10 of our last 11 against UMass. <laughs> That's incredible. And yeah, 10 of our last 11 against UMass. And there are these coaches in the Atlantic 10, whether it's, you know, Matt McCall or Napoleon Dimbrot apart, uh, Paulson at Mason. Paulson, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've been successful against Dimbrot, I think. And now it's Matt McCall. And it's, you know, I don't want to throw St. Joe's in there with Lane because he's still rebuilding and they're so bad. But these mediocre teams, you know, usually they'll pick off an upper tier team, but they haven't really done that against us. And Schmidt just seems to have these you know, a couple of these guys numbers. And I think McCall is going to be one of them. And I, I don't think, I I think he's good and he has a lot of help getting talent and getting, you know, certain recruits, but I don't know if the X's and O's and the game management is quite there uh, compared to Schmidt. I'd agree. And I bet plenty of UMass fans would agree with you on that. Let's get to the best of the three teams for last. St. Louis, one of our only losses this season. Probably the only loss where I would say that we did not exactly have much of a chance down the stretch. I wouldn't say we got dominated. I wouldn't say the Bonnies got dominated because the game was very close up until a stretch where Martin Linson had a weird non-call on a charge and then had a foul on the other. There were a couple of fouls on him within a 30 second span that basically led to like five or seven points for St. Louis, where I think that kind of stretched the game out, not making that an excuse for why we, the Bonnies lost, but what would you want to see out of the Bonnies that you didn't see in that matchup? I want us to throw some different looks at them defensively. I hated Welch um, slacking off the the wing to go down and double French down low when Oshun was handling French completely. Um, French did absolutely nothing in that game. He was 0 for 3, uh, 0 points. Um, And he wasn't an offensive threat down low at all, and we were treating him like he was a Trey Mitchell type. Let Oshun take him one-on-one and keep Welch and Attaway on the perimeter uh, on Perkins, on Jimerson and Goodwin, these guys went off against us, especially Perkins hit, you know, three or four threes in the second half and just blew it open. And I felt like that could have been alleviated if we had, you know, face guarded them or been a little bit more aggressive on a perimeter instead of focusing on French. And we've done a good job on the perimeter and not overall on defense in general. I think this is the best defensive team in the league and one of the best I've seen at Bana's. Um, so I think we're going to play them differently. I think we will go back and look at that film and say, let's not let Perkins go off or Jimerson. The good thing about this defensive team is we can switch one through four. That helped us a ton against Davidson. They're just setting screen after screen after screen in our defense. One through four, um, can switch on anyone. And that that's a huge, huge help against a lot of teams in this league. I think we're going to play them a lot differently. And I think I Lofton, I feel like took a lot of shots in that game. I would like to see us spread it out a little bit more. Welch didn't get going much. Didn't really take any twos actually. So uh, I, I would like to see us approach that game completely differently. A couple possessions, maybe throw a zone at him. you know, get them off a rhythm a little bit. I think you got to watch out for the three point shooters because 
St. Louis, they have solid players, obviously, in Jordan Goodwin, Javante Perkins. The, if they're not making their threes, St. Louis is beatable because their lack of possessions and their lack of shooting, if it's not hitting, of course, it, it, it keeps them away from really opening up any kind of lead. So what we saw in the last game between the two teams is you saw guys like Demarius Jacobs and Gibson Jimerson get hot earlier and that opened up the scoring a little bit. And then once Javante Perkins started hitting in the second half, like you mentioned, it was, Mm -hmm. it was a very tough hill for the bodies to come back from. So I think those different matchups, those different looks that you were talking about might help. I don't necessarily know about zone because I'd have to go back and look at that game. If I remember the zone was, was not really helping out very much. Could be wrong. I, I think also there needs to be a little bit more focus on the size down low, not necessarily with Hassan French, who I'll put Oshun on Hassan and they'll be fine. I'm not worried about that. But Martin Linson came in and gave them incredible minutes. I have to look back at his whole log, but that was, he was four for four. Like he had, like, even though the questionable call, like I talked about, he was still all over the place and tremendous for them. So that is somebody that could potentially exploit the fact that we don't have a traditional four in Attaway. And while I wouldn't advocate for putting Shaw in at the four, it's something to pay attention to with, with making sure that Linson does not become a, a liability like he was for us last time. And I would like, even when Linson's in, he has looked really good this year, but those are some minutes that you need to steal for Oshun, especially in a tournament. If he's playing, you know, back-to-back games, Centers shouldn't be playing like 38, 40 minutes a game. They they should get some rest. And Schmidt has gotten a little bit better. He's tried to get Oshun out that, you know, right around that under under eight media timeout in the first half. If Linson comes in in the second half, I get it. It's tough to take Oshun out because it can be a game changer. But if you can just steal a couple minutes uh, right around a, a media timeout that can make the difference in those last couple minutes because we look completely gassed. Uh, and that those last four or five minutes against St. Louis, they the guys had their hands on their knees and they were gasping for air, and that isn't even a back to back. So, you know, stealing some minutes for Oshun, even if it is risking it against Linson, is probably better than risking it against French, but. I hope we can get a little bit creative with our rotations because it is a tournament and we, we, we need some help from our bench in tournaments. I agree, but I don't know if that's the matchup to be playing too much of that game with. I mean, obviously you want to try to do it a little bit around the, the under eight timeouts or, or whatever media timeouts you do it with, but I think you'd rather want to do that in the, in the Friday game against either Richmond or Duquesne because Richmond yeah. does not nearly have the size that St. Louis has and Duquesne, we saw in game two, Jalen Shaw had a very good first half against the Dukes. So I would want to see that happen more in game one. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, maybe Oshun only plays 31 minutes against those guys. But I think you have to assume that you're going to be playing St. Louis on Saturday if you know you win on Friday. And you have to be pretty ready to almost have Oshun go almost 40. As, as, much, as, as much as I agree with you trying to play around with the timeouts. And I think Shaw's a little bit better than some people give credit to. I don't necessarily think that that's smart considering what Linson did to us last time. And Oshun did come down a little awkwardly against Dayton on his ankle. So we don't even know. Hopefully he's 
hopefully it was nothing and he's back to 100%, but he could have a very mild sprain and just played through it before it swelled up. And, uh, you know, this week of rest is going to be huge, and I hope we are – 100% 100% because there were a couple of plays, whether it was Oshun or Lofton where they went down and I was really worried. So hopefully we come into this at a hundred percent and do get a team a little bit banged up and on a, on a back to back. Yeah. Or we can just sit back and become uh, the Hawk will never die fans. We can come Hawk Hill fans if we don't, <laughs> yeah. want to. but I'm not, I don't, I think we can beat St. Louis. I'm not saying it's a definite by any stretch of the imagination. It, it's a pretty 50, 50 game though. I think, yeah. I think too many, I see too many brackets that are discounting, a St. Louis St. Bonaventure rematch just because of what we have seen in the last two matchups going back to the end of last season. I think that the game did swing in in St. Louis this season to a point where the final score looked worse than it actually was. I think St. Louis deserved to win, but I don't think it was this this destruction by 11 points that a uh-huh. lot of, a lot of people seem to make it out to be where I I think it was a lot closer than it than it ended up looking. And if it is St. Bonaventure Duquesne on Saturday, rem- or Friday. excuse me, St. Bo- you know St. Bonaventure versus St. Louis on Saturday. Yeah, St. Louis is probably the way it's looking right now. They're probably playing for their at-large chances in that game. That's true. That's true. Because like we talked about earlier with Vac, I I, I feel pretty comfortable as much as I can. Yeah, it'll be a stressful week. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. But I think as 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 logically as I can think about it, given where we are in the the bubble totem pole, I believe Lenardi had us highlighted green where we have about a ninety percent chance or so of mm-hmm. making the tournament. I think I think if we do beat Richmond or Duquesne, we should be fine. Win Friday, and I am feeling great um, for St. Louis. It's win Friday and Saturday and you're still not feeling great, you know, you might be sweating it out on selection Sunday. If you lose uh, that same day, St. Louis has to get probably to the championship to have an, an at large chance. Um, as much as it helps us financially to have a three bid league or maybe a four bid league at the end of the day, you know who I want to win the Atlantic 10 championship. Call me crazy. Say this is a hot take. I don't care. I want the St. Bonaventure Bonnies to win the Atlantic 10 title. I'm sorry. Oh, the A-10, oh, the A-10. I don't like it when the SEC football fans do the whole SEC thing. Don't get yeah, me wrong. I want money for the school. I want the conference teams. You know what? You guys are cool. I'll root for you guys when you play Duke or, or Baylor or whoever. But no, no. It's A-10 time. I want the Bonnies to win. And you know what else I want? I want a final forecast. <laughs> this is your final <laughs> final forecast i'm probably your final final forecast maybe it's maybe it's just it a better not for- be i want a final forecast for dayton next week yeah well yeah <laughs> let's say it's your yeah semi-final <laughs> semi-final forecast there you go today's final forecast is brought to you by pudgy's pizza Ooh, nice great pizza great wings come in uh bowl a little bit <laughs> we got thursday action we're kicking things off in Richmond, Virginia. This is Richmond and Duquesne playing at 11 a.m. It is going to be 47 and mostly sunny. And that game will be on NBC Sports. All of these games will be on NBC Sports tomorrow. That will take you right into a 1 o'clock game between UMass and St. Joe's. That's 5 versus 13. 
it is going to be 49 and mostly sunny. Okay, nice. The action doesn't stop there. Then we get Dayton, a 7 seed, against Rhode Island, a 10 seed. Both teams beat us this year, unfortunately. That is at 3.30 p.m. on NBC Sports. And at 3.30 p.m. in Richmond tomorrow, it's going to be 53 and sunny. Heating up for the Dayton Roadie game. Heating up, but what about for the Mason GW game? That's a six versus eleven at five. GW was cold on Wednesday, that's for sure. Yeah, the the, yes, they were. <laughs> five thirty on NBC Sports. It's going to get back down to forty-six and sunny. Nice. Okay. Not bad for in a late afternoon. Let's get to Friday because that's really what we're looking for. Your St. Yes. Bonaventure Bonnies, eleven a.m. on NBC Sports. The one seed, the A10 champions. Winner of the 8-9 Richmond UMass game will take on your Bonnies on Friday at 11 a.m. It's going to be 38 and oh, sunny in Richmond. Love Getting it. A little I cold. love it. A little not colder quite freezing. Friday. Not nope. quite Bonaventure basketball weather, but pretty close, and especially for playing Richmond. I like that. Getting Yeah, it's getting a little chillier Friday. Although, for the 1 o'clock game, uh, also on NBC Sports, you're going to have St. Louis versus UMass, maybe versus St. Joe's. 1 o'clock in Richmond on Friday. It's going to be 44 and Ooh, sunny. little heat up. Yep. Uh, then it's taking us to 3.30 again. Same schedule both days, Thursday, Friday. VCU, your 2C, 3.30 p.m. on NBC Sports against the winner of that Dayton-Rhode Island game. So VCU going to have a home game. Uh, in Richmond, and it's going to be 47 and sunny. Ah, all right. Getting Interesting, a huh? there. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, a little home cooking, and I guess the sun's kind of doing that too. And then the nightcap on Friday. We have Davidson. Some people saying Davidson got the best draw at that three seed. 5.30 p.m. NBC Sports. Davidson versus the winner of Mason and GW. It is going to be 42 and clear. Ooh, a little drop in the temperature. I don't know if those North Carolina cats are going to like that. A little drop, yes. Do we go to Saturday? Let's do it. Yeah. Saturday in Richmond. Let's see what our weather looks like. The first semi. Ooh, yes. Late at night, 6 o'clock p.m. It's going to be St. Bonas, Richmond, Duquesne, UMass, St. Joe's, St. Louis. Who is it going to be? Whoever it is, it is going to be. 40 degrees and clear. Ooh, hopefully that temperature drops in the second half before we're in it. We're going to see probably a little sunset during that game, taking us to our 9 o'clock p.m. CBS Sports game on Saturday. Hopefully the Bonnies are comfortably in and going to the championship and we can sit back and relax and have a few drinks and watch this 9 p.m. game. Not sure who it's going to be, but I am sure that in Richmond, Saturday night at 9, it is going to be 33 degrees and oh, clear. Oh, oh. oh, I like that for the second half. That means the temperature will drop a little bit for our game, and then that'll yeah. be cold for Davidson. That is your final forecast presented by Pudgy's Pizza. That is the weather all across the Atlantic 10 tournament. They thought that they were going to have a warm tournament down in Richmond. It doesn't seem like that. No. Nope, not at all. But thank you all so much for joining us here on SB Unfurled. And friends, be sure to follow us on Twitter if you haven't, at X at SB Unfurled. Be sure to like us on all your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. Basically all of them. Search us. You'll find us. Be sure also to check back because hopefully we will be doing a preview of the Bonnies in the A-10 tournament final in Dayton on March 14th. Thank you all so much again for joining us. Win Friday. W-I-N-N.